0: what is going on everybody and welcome back to the thursday edition of the nhl strategy show sponsored by better picks or better fantasy i am your host josh harris i am back after my hiatus on tuesday thank you to slim cliffy for filling in it is not easy doing solo shows and if you think it is go into your bathroom go on twitch and talk for 15 minutes about your favorite sport i dare you to see how it is but cliffy how you doing
1: um, my favorite sport is actually professional wrestling. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, no, doing well. Uh, I didn't play last night, but I did watch the Tampa Pittsburgh game and the Edmonton Carolina game. And I don't think there's been a worse one-two punch of games to watch this year. Like Pittsburgh looked completely uninterested in playing hockey through the first forty minutes, and then Carolina, like that game was over like ten minutes in. Um, quite the beatdown. For per- I mean. We, we won't go long because we have 13 games to cover here today. But Edmonton, a lot of their early struggles, one obviously was goaltending. Two was, you know, Connor McDavid looked like he was kind of hurt. He didn't really look that hurt to me last night. And they were getting really unlucky by shooting percentages earlier in the season, like for the first month. I think that's kind of started to turn around over the last few weeks. And they're only like six points out of a playoff spot in the West now. Like they can be in a playoff spot in like by Christmas. Um they're starting to look a little bit better. They obviously need some more depth, but uh they're starting to look more like themselves.
0: Yeah, and they absolutely crushed the bye week uh model, came off their bye week and just put up a massive number. Usually you see teams come out slow after the bye week. They put up two goals in 41 seconds, Zach Hyman had a hat trick. I didn't play too much last night, but I did stack Carolina, so I fell asleep after those two two goals, uh, woke up, checked the Box score didn't even bother logging in. I knew the result. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we have a massive, massive slate here. Um, our top top stacks isn't fully updated yet. There are still some things that we need to get updated. So if you hear us mention ownership, it's probably going to change. If you are a premium member, uh, just be aware of the updates. You know the. There's some wing stuff, which is an important game on the slate that needs to be updated. So just bear that in mind. Huge 13 game slate, though. Very disappointed in the GPPs on DraftKings today because it is a two game NBA slate, the worst NFL game in the history of sports. And they rolled out 10K, 50K guaranteed in the 150X. I don't want to complain. But, I mean, I'm complaining. As I say, I don't want to complain, but I was hoping for better. Hopefully, on Tuesday, they have that big 888 abominable snowman or whatever it is. Hopefully, they have corresponding 88s and an 8 or something with good prizes. So, let's get into the slate. But before you do, you guys know the drill. Uh, Give us a like and subscribe to keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. If YouTube isn't for you and you're listening on your way home from work, you already know, but you can find all of our content over on the Stochastic podcast channels, except for the Live Before Locks, because they don't have a shelf life. Don't forget to sign up for the Stochastic Hall of Fame by changing your avatar on DraftKings and FanDuel. You also get a shout-out on the weekly Hall of Fame segment. Download the Stochastic avatar on stochastic.com backslash avatar, placed in the top three of the contest with over 5K contestants. Tweet the wins to at Stochastic HOF account on Twitter or X. If you don't have that machine, you can email us with your screenshot and you'll win a free month of Stochastic package of your choosing. Buffalo Sabres with a 2.4 total. Heading into Boston, the Bruins have a 3.7 total news here. There is some sort of illness going through the Bruins locker room. Swayman is confirmed out. The coach said there are a couple other guys who he did not mention dealing with it, so we'll have to wait and see. Luckily, it is the first game of the slate, so they will be warming up before lock. If they are, if their uh, skaters are fully healthy, they're going to go Pasternak, Zaka, DeBrusque, Marshan, Coyle, Geeky, and then Van Riemsdyk, Poitois and Frederick. Three point seven total going into Buffalo is a good matchup. Like Buffalo has been bad this season. They, like you said, they'll have their occasional game where they look like they're a playoff team, but. More often than not, they just lay eggs. Pasternak, Zaka, DeBrusk is an interesting stack. It is a 13-game slate, so 9% ownership is fairly high. They still have positive leverage for their top two stack percentage, so that's good. But again, we will have to get an updated one because some of the, the Wings lines are somewhat similar in price there. So I would imagine the Wings ownership comes up a lot in some of these Mid-range to under 20k lines come down a little bit, so I am interested in Buffalo one on the on the Buffalo side. It's a bit interesting. It's the lowest total on the slate. They have a lower total than the Sharks, which is hilarious to say. But Derek Forbert's out. He's one of their better defensive defensemen. These Boston lines haven't been great defensively. As it is, the one saving grace is Olmark. He's been great now. Tage Thompson did return the other day, and he is on the wing, uh, Jeff Skinner's wing, Casey Middlestat in the center. That line is a bit interesting to me in MME. I don't think I'm going to get there in one to three at 17,700. But I think if I was playing even 20, I'd be over the field on that number. The more alliance you make, I think the more Buffalo you can have. I'm not you know, saying go all in on them by any stretch of the imagination. They have the lowest hole on the slate, but that line does interest me a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the Sabres. I, I think the top line is fine to play if you're playing a lot of lineups here tonight. Obviously, on a on a, on a slate with 26 teams, not sure you necessarily have to stack Buffalo going into Boston. Like Losing four-board does hurt the Bruins defensively. He is their best defensive defenseman, um, and he's excellent on the penalty kill as well. Uh, but they have more than enough to make up for it beyond that. And, you know, Buffalo's had their struggles creating offense this year, um, Tate Thompson or not. So, you know, I, I think Buffalo one for an ownership play is perfectly fine. Uh, if you're playing, you know, the 20 max or the 150 or, or anything like that, I think in single entry, you can pass. It is Boston one for me that I have interest in here. Wrote them up uh, in the picks article today. Um, free to read over at stochastic.com. Just head on over to the NHL section. Um, and one thing that I kind of noticed is they're not super expensive, right? Like, I'll bring up top stacks. They're 19800 on DraftKings here tonight. Um, but they're third by top two stack percentage. See that 13.1%. Third by top two stack percentage and coming in with positive leverage. And I'm not super worried about a top line matchup against this Buffalo team. Like, the top line's defensive numbers are much worse with Alex, Alex Tuck out of the lineup. He is a good two-way winger. And, you know, Rasmus Dolan might not be playing tonight and he's not a great defensive defenseman, but he is their best defenseman overall. Um, It just doesn't really leave a whole lot that I'm worried about. You know, Devin Levi getting the start. I'm still a big Devin Levi guy. Maybe he just needed a couple weeks into the in the AHL to kind of write himself. He did uh, post a good numbers down there. But, you know, Boston won under 20K. Um, You get two out of the three guys. Uh, On the top power play unit, you know, Buffalo's penalty kill, I mentioned in that article, like bottom 10 numbers, uh, expected goals against, shots against, goals against over the last uh, four weeks. You know, Boston doesn't draw a ton of power plays. They're right about on the league average, but um, they can absolutely tear apart uh, this weak Buffalo penalty kill. So it's Boston one I like in this game by quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You would think with Tage Thompson back in the lineup, they're eventually going to figure something out. You would hope, but you know, we'll see. Let's get to another banger. San Jose Sharks with a 2.5 total heading into Detroit. The Red Wings have a four total. Patty Kane going to make his season debut on the second line. He is 5,500. I'm not even going to mention the Detroit ownership here because we still have JT Comfort in the top stacks, and he is out. Top line is Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, Robbie Fabry. Second line is Kane, Debrinkat, and Valeno. Um, this top line, Larkin, Raymond, Fabry, from a power play perspective, is a mess because they ran new power play units today. Larkin's on the top power play unit. Raymond and Fabry are in the second unit. The top unit is Larkin, Debrinkat, Kane, David Perron, and Shane Gossesbear. So. This is a really good matchup at any strength for Detroit. I think there's multiple ways you can go about it. I think the more popular line is going to be the second line with Debrinkat and Kane. I think you're going to see a lot of Larkin, in Debrinkat-Kane stacks. I think, you know, full stacking the second line is fine. Full stacking the the top line is fine. I I think power play stacking is a good way to go. If you want to avoid some of the heavier ownership, I think you can one-off David Perron. Uh, I think that's fine. Um Listen, like when teams are playing the Sharks, there's really not much to say. You play the guys, they're going to get ownership. There's plenty of ways to get different on the side. I think the more interesting side to for me is the San Jose Sharks, and they have a two-and-a-half total, which for them on the road isn't bad, honestly. And Hurdle's coming off a hat trick. Now, you're not going to really know much about that because he scored those three goals like late against the Islanders, and Islanders suck. Uh, so – but the thing is here, like, as good as Detroit is offensively, they suck defensively, too. And I do not want to play Michael Granlund. If you want to play that line, go for it. I just, like, listen. I know he had seven shots the other day, but he's more of a player that re- relies on assists. He's kind of like the Alex Wenberg model for DFS. He's maybe a better player than he is a DFS player. Maybe not. Maybe he's just bad, but... I'm more interested in Hurdle, Eklund, uh, Barabanov. Barabanov coming back is a nice boost to that top line. Hurdle and Eklund have good numbers together. Uh, There isn't a matchup on the Detroit side that worries me, so I don't mind getting to Hurdle, Eklund here. They're 11700 They let you get in the expensive stuff. On the Detroit side, do whatever you want. Uh, The good news is Kane is on the top power play unit, so even if you think he's washed five on five, he can still contribute on the power play. He's still very good there.
1: Yeah, I will go the other direction for San Jose and say that I like the uh, um, the Grandland-Zetterland-Duclair line a little bit better. Two reasons. One, they're just generating more expected goals, uh, two and a half compared to the two for Hurdle and Bear Banoff. So, um, you know, Hurdle's still not really shooting a lot, like 10 shot attempts per 60 minutes um, over his last few weeks. Like he's just getting lucky on the shots. I mean, they're all getting lucky, let's face it. Um, but he's just getting lucky on the shots that he faces. At least that San Jose-Granlin line is generating some offense, and they're going to go up against the valeno Kane line, either that or the Copperon line. Like, neither one – you're right, there isn't a matchup I'm worried about defensively in particular, but if I have to choose, I would prefer to go up against their second and third lines rather than Larkin, Fabry, and Raymond. So um, I don't mind the Granlin line here, but it's another one of those situations where – I think I'd be more inclined just to like one off Fabian Zetterlin or one off Anthony Duclair than I would be to full stack the line. Um, you know, they can still get there. They play, a, they play a ton of minutes. That's the thing is like, if this, if San Jose scores three goals, almost all the goals are going to come from the top six, right. Other than, you know, Jacob McDonald had that two goal game the other night or whatever, but the guys that play all the minutes and have all the talent are going to get, the, are going to get the goals. It's kind of like, you know, a really bad Colorado in that sense. Um, but I, I, you know, I prefer the Detroit side here. I wrote up Dylan Larkin in the picks article. Lucas Raymond getting booted off the top power play unit is definitely not what you want to see um, if you're stacking them, but they're going to come in with incredibly low ownership. Larkin and Raymond have been really, really good this year with or without the Cat. They're generating roughly the same amount of of expected goals, whether the Cat's on the line or not. Um, I think Raymond's kind of taken another step offensively this year. I'm not really worried about either matchup on the San Jose side. I think you're right. You're going to see a lot of Larkin to bring cat stacks just because on DraftKings, at least that second line for Detroit is triple wing, but um, it's Detroit one for me. Uh, I I always want to play the line that has the best player on it. And that's still Larkin. He's been one of the better offensive players in the league this year, just flat out. Um, so for me, it's Larkin, Raymond, uh, and Fabry. If you want to just power play stack, I think that's fine. The Sharks penalty kill is still nothing great. Detroit draws a ton of power play opportunities. They're tied for the most now uh, power play opportunities per game um, in the league. So if you want to just Detroit power play stack, that might be a better way to approach it. But if we're stacking five on five lines, it's Detroit one for
0: me. You know what? And, you know, Fabry isn't the player he was because of injuries he on St. Louis or whatever, but he's not some third wheel that, you know, he's a good player. He lost a step. Because of injuries or whatever, but he can, he definitely belongs in that top six. So I am on board with the Detroit analysis there. We differ on the Sharks, but you know what? We're not going to agree every time. No. Los Angeles Kings, the 3.5 total heading into Montreal. The Canadiens have a 2.6 total. I, uh, I was out most of the day Tuesday. I got, I literally got home right before lock, so I didn't play much, but I know a lot of people were on the Kopitar Kempe byfield line and they kind of got burned a little bit there. Not for lack of trying. Uh Kempe had a couple posts, I think. Um but anyway, don't need to harp on that. I I, I think this is another great matchup for the, the Kings here tonight. I think either of the top two lines are in play. They're getting no ownership here. They are the the thing that does worry me, it's not really a huge worry. And I think it gives you more to think about. You should say instead of just slamming LA one, you know what I mean? Montreal takes a ton of penalties and the Kings have kind of split the time pretty evenly on their two power play units. So I think you can go to either of the top two lines. I think you go to the third line too. It's just a matter of, you know, which power play unit you think is going to get a little more time. It varies. Usually the Kopitar unit gets a little bit more. Um, I think Kempe is the best player on the Sharks or on the Sharks, on the Kings. So I tend to default to the Kopitar line. Um, But I think three lines are in play here uh, for the Kings. On the Montreal side, I don't mind getting to that top line in MME. It's just, you know, this is not a good matchup. Cam Talbot in net for the Kings. He's one of the league leaders in goal saves above expected, which is a stat that I kind of like to look at instead of save percentage. Um, So I'm kind of in on Montreal 1 in MME, but this is a Kings game for me.
1: Yeah. um Yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say Montreal has their top three offensive players on the same line. I mean, I know people like to take pot of shots at Slav. Slavkovsky. He doesn't really have a lot of points yet this year, but um, he has look, He did look good in that, that game against Seattle. Um, I think Montreal, won, like you said, is fine to play. They're kind of like Buffalo one in that sense. Um, if you want super low ownership, you know, 150 max or something like that, I think that's fine. But it's Kings two that I like the best here. Fiala, Morton, Dano. A couple reasons for that. One, um, the Montreal second and third lines are not good defensively. And beyond that, Caden Gooley is actually a pretty good defensive defenseman. And he pretty much, he goes out against top lines constantly. But once you get after Caden Gooley, it is fire wagon hockey uh, for Montreal. They really don't have any defensemen, not healthy ones anyway, uh, that can step up defensively. So I think he gives Fiala more and Dano. Uh, really good matchups against the second and third lines from Montreal against their second and third uh, defense pairs. I wrote up Fiala in the picks article today. His shot rate has really come up um, after a slow start this year. He's added, uh, I mentioned in that picks article, he added 0.9 shots per game since being moved to the Deno line. And they're creating 12% more expected goals and 19 more, 19% more actual goals. So even though Fiala's ice time actually went down like a minute with the move to the uh, Deno line, He's actually, see, he's actually seeing more, um, better efficiency and taking more shots, um, which is really important. As far as the power play goes, I mentioned it in our Discord, but it, I think it's been nine games now since Arbor Jacki has been injured for Montreal, and up until his injury, they were taking 4.4 penalties per game. Since his injury, it's 2.4. And 2.4 is like a full power play less per game Um, that they're giving up compared to the league average. The league average is a little over 3.3 right now. So they're taking a lot fewer penalties and like the penalty kill is still not good. Don't get me wrong, but it's kind of like that St. Louis situation, right? Where maybe they might not, um, maybe the penalty kill isn't good, but they're also not giving up enough power plays for it to really kill them. Now, you know, it's only nine games um, might've been eight games, eight, nine games, things can turn around, but he, you know, Jack I is a guy that takes a ton of penalties. So um, maybe that's just something uh, to think about here tonight. It's another reason why I'm not putting a ton of stock into the Kings top line um, with their perfect power play correlation. As you mentioned, no ownership on Los Angeles. In fact, Los Angeles two is coming in with a higher top two stack percentage than Los Angeles one. Um, you know, the Kings top line is still kind of dominating play but they're not generating as much quality offense as they used to be. Um their last 3 weeks 2.9 expected goals, 2.6 actual goals per 60 minutes at 5 on 5. Um I like Kings 2 here. They're easily my favorite line in this game and they're actually one of my favorite lines on the sleeve here tonight. I think you're muted.
0: I am muted. I was going to say, uh, if you like Kings 2, you play Kings 2. I'm I, i I'm a big Kempe guy. I have a bias towards him. And if you like Kings 1, I think they're a good play as well. It just depends on your build, really. So you can take bits and pieces from Kings 3, even if you want. Dubois, Piroc Dubois has been pretty bad this season. I would imagine when Arvidsson comes back, maybe he slides to the wing somewhere. But that's we don't have time for that. those shenanigans. But yeah, Kings game. Toronto Maple Leafs, a three point four total heading into Ottawa. The Senators have a three point two total. Shocker that Klingberg went on long term IR. The creators of the Robodias Island add someone to the the island, and they're like, "Oh wow, he has a hip problem." <laughs> and then they're going to get mad when the you know the the lightning win the cup, and they're like twenty six million over the cap. Boo hoo. Anyway, this is an interesting game, one that we talked about before the show. With Ottawa at home – oh, by the way, I just want to, you know, give you a pat on the back for your Ottawa 2 call on Tuesday. Absolutely lit up uh, my Rangers and Igor Shesterkin. Hopefully it won some people some money. Um, very good call there. Yeah, Igor sucks. But, yeah, please, relax, people. Um, at home, the Senators send out uh, Norris – Brady Kachuk and Giroux against the Austin Matthews line, which is interesting because, as you mentioned to me, the Tavares-Marner-Bertuzzi line is the much better defensive line in the top six for the Leafs. And that kind of sucks because stutzla Batherson tarasenko is going to go out against Tavares-Marner and Bertuzzi. It's still a decent matchup because the Leafs-Blue line is bad and their goaltending hasn't been great. So I don't mind Ottawa 2 here. I'm more interested in Ottawa 1. They're getting positive leverage. That Matthews, Nylander, knees Nyes line has been pretty bad. Not a big Norris guy, but you know Norris, Kachuk, Giroux have pretty good numbers together. So that is my preferred line on the Ottawa side. On the Toronto side, I mean, it's a pretty good matchup for both lines. I'm going to go to Matthews and Nylander here. I, you know, like Jake says, play the good lines. Like you say, play the best player in the game. Probably Matthews. I'm going to go to Matthews, Nylander, and Nyes. I think Tavares, Marner, and Bertuzzi are fine. They're coming with a little bit higher ownership, though. They are cheaper.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about Ottawa one because I did write up Brady Kachuk for the picks article. What I mentioned in that article is that even with Josh Norris as a center, and like I am, uh, Josh Norris is one of the guys that I'm starting to like a lot less that I liked a lot more a couple of years ago for DFS. Now, not so much. Um, you know Josh Norris, his playmaking dad is bad this year. His, I mentioned in our Discord, his expected goals generated over the last four weeks on a per minute basis is the same as Charlie McAvoy, who is a defenseman. Um, That kind of tells you what Josh Norris has been doing on the top line, which is absolutely nothing. But Brady Kachuk, his projection is really strong today. Uh, these are all the wingers under 8K on DraftKings, and Brady Kachuk is right at the top. It's higher than Kaprazov. Um, You know, he's clearing Matt Barzal by uh, 0.84 DK points. He's, you know, 1.3 points ahead of the third-place winger. Like, he is clearly head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, He's still playing pretty well with Claude Giroux, uh, which is pretty important, um, obviously, for this matchup. But just in general, because for for this matchup, because they are going to go out against the Matthews line. Matthews and Nylander have been like awful defensively this season. It's it's actually kind of shocking. And I know people like to make fun of of Toronto and and their defense and et cetera, et cetera. And I like to do that too. But typically, the Matthews line is pretty good defensively. Uh, you know, when they don't have their lapses, their numbers are awful so far this year. Like their numbers that you'd expect to see on San Jose. That's how bad it's been so i really like ottawa one here tonight um you know in the top stacks tool they're coming in with good leverage uh, i'll show toronto and ottawa here they're coming in 3.8 percent leverage because only three and a half percent ownership on dk 7.3 percent ownership um i'm not sure that there's a ton of power play upside here which is why i kind of think i'd like brady kachuk as a one-off more than full stacking but if I don't mind Ottawa 1 here. And what I will say quickly is that Ottawa 2, they started last game getting matched up against the second line, against the Panarin line for the Rangers. And by midway through the game, they were going out against the third and fourth lines. And that's when they started to do their damage. I'm wondering if they don't go back to that tonight. And then they're they're going out against the Toronto third and fourth lines. Like It might be uh, a good night for them. But I, I do like Ottawa 1. I will say I like Brady Kachuk specifically as a one-off. On the Toronto side, it, it is Toronto 2 that I actually kind of like, which feels weird to say. Like, I'm not worried about a Ridley Grig matchup. Let's put it that way. Like, um, I'm just not that, that. Like, if that's a matchup Ottawa wants to go to, that is not a matchup that I'm concerned about uh, for Tavares and company. Um, you know, they are coming in uh, with a little bit of negative leverage on the top two stacks, but it's not a lot. Um, they're, you know, quite a bit cheaper than the top line. You still get the two guys on the top power play unit. Um, you know, if you want to go to Toronto one, no issues there. It's not like um, any Ottawa line is really, uh, you know, tremendous defensively or anything like that. But uh, I do like Toronto two's matchup a little bit better here, but it is the Ottawa top line. I like best in this game.
0: Yeah. I, I'm kind of in agreement there. The Leafs um, like, yeah. You know my feelings on the Leafs. I don't need to harp on it. Columbus Blue Jackets with a 2.7 total heading into Long Island. Sucks for everybody. The Islanders have a 3.7 total. Islanders coming off a game where they had a three-goal lead against the Sharks with eight men left, and they lost. I don't know what's going on with that. Well, I kind of do know what's going on with the Islanders. They suck. Their coach sucks, et cetera, et cetera. They need someone on the top line badly. Anders Lee is not it I just Don't have too much (laughs) I just don't have too much interest In Columbus here tonight I wish I did I wish they had a line that I wanted to play But you know Justin Danforth on the top line With Gaudreau and Jenner Just really isn't doing it for me If you want to like one off Marchenko I think that's fine Like the owner's penalty kill is atrocious So I think you can one-off some of their power play one guys. Or Islanders penalty kill, I should say. I think I said power play. So I'm fine with one-offing some of Columbus's power play guys. Other than that, um, don't have much interest in Columbus. On the Islander side, we'll have to see an updated run on ownership with the wing stuff in because right now the Islanders are super negative leverage, Uh, 14% on the Horvat line, 10.3% on the Brock Nelson line. It's a good matchup, I get it. If we have a 3.7 total, these lines are cheap. I just I just don't like how they've been playing. They're one of those teams that they have the defensemen take a lot of the shots, and I don't really love their defensemen outside of Dobson. I know Barzell's been playing well. I guess you can one off Barzell. You can two man him with Horvat. Horvat's somewhat coming to life and he is fairly cheap. I just don't know if I want to play Chalk Islanders on a 13 game slate
1: yeah i don't have much to say about this game it's here are the top stacks a lot of negative leverage on the top two lines for the islanders nobody's playing columbus you don't want to play columbus go ahead i'm not um patrick line out for the columbus i'm not sure if you mentioned that but he's out tonight merce lickens is also out um for me it's the islanders top line they have looked better offensively with anders lee there It's just a lot of ownership. DFS players are going to have to decide whether they want to play like a 15% owned Islanders top line on a 13-game slate. I don't have a huge problem with it. I will say Columbus doesn't take a lot of penalties, and their goaltenders have been absolutely absurd on the penalty kill for whatever reason. Um, That screams regression to me. The Islanders do have a really good power play. I will say I, I do like Islanders one a lot here tonight. It's just there's a lot of ownership, so people are going to have to decide whether they want to play that ownership or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we get a rerun soon and they come down into single digits, it might be a little bit more palatable. but I don't know. Chalk Islanders leaves a weird taste in my mouth. If you are looking to take your game to the next level, sign up using the link in the description box below to get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry. You get player and ownership projections, top stacks tools, line combinations, and you get access to the Discord. Uh, Cliffy is showing... Uh, all the stuff that we show on the show, you'll have access to it 24 uh, seven. And you'll also get access to the discord. If you have lineup questions, if you have uh, any kind of questions, we'll answer for you. Clicking IROs in there, Jake and his giga Chad jawliner in there. We have a lot of sharp minds. So click that link in the description below. You can get weekly, you can get monthly. You can add on fantasy cruncher. Thank you. Fantasy cruncher. Let's move on to the next one here. Tampa Bay lightning with a 3.2 total heading into Nashville predators have a 3.3 um tampa obviously played last night it was vasilevsky in that would imagine after back surgery coming back less than a month ago he's not going to go back to back it's probably yeah, going to be. Already,
1: they already confirmed johansson
0: yeah jones johansson in that that brings nashville's top line into play and i was hoping there would be a little bit less ownership on them they are there is a uh, positive leverage they're coming in at 5.3 percent projected I'm a big Nashville one guy. It's not the best matchup per se. It's one of those things where it's like the goalie is really bad and they're fully correlated on the power play. So I don't know if I'm going to get there in one to three because they're 18-4 and there is a ton of lines around that price range in, um, in better spots. The big question here is what to do with Tampa one, right? They're 24,100. They're fully correlated on the power play, and this is a good power play spot. Almost no ownership here. It's back-to-back on the road is the one thing. Like, Do you want to hinge your night on a back-to-back, on-the-road $24,000 line? I don't know, but I I do like Tampa 1 here.
1: Yeah, I think Tampa 1 is perfectly in play here, especially with Colorado doing to their lines what they're doing, but um, I don't think it's like – it's not a tremendous spot – for Tampa at five on five. Like if they get there, they have to get there on the power play and they can get there on the power play. Nikita Kucherov is up to 22 power play points now, which like, that's a pretty good total for like 97% of the league for a full season. Like it's absolutely insane um, what that guy has done. Problem is, is Nashville's top line, their offensive numbers have come down a little bit since a hot start. Part of it driven by shooting percentage. They're shooting under 7% in their last 100 minutes together five on five. Um, but the defensive numbers have been really, really good. 2.3 expected goals against, 1.8 actual goals against per 60 minutes. So if Tampa Bay does get there, they have to get there pretty much through entirely through the power play. And if Tampa has to get there almost entirely through the power play, that means it brings guys like Nick Paul, guys like Victor Hedman um, into the stack. So I think, like, if you don't want to pay way up for a a super expensive Tampa stack, like, you can two-man, like, Kutrov and Hedman and go along, or two man like Paul and Kutrov and then you know go about your business. I don't think you necessarily just have to three man stack Tampa Bay's entire top line because if they do, if they are one of the top stacks on the slate tonight, it's going to be because of the power play, and there are two other guys on that power play that are worth attention. So that's all I'll say about that. It is Nashville one I do like here. I'm not worried about the matchup against Tampa Bay and because they go out against the top line and Tampa Bay's top line is kind of like Pittsburgh's in that they love trading chances back and forth. So far this year for Tampa's top line, 3.7 expected goals for 3.5 expected goals against per 60 minutes. They've actually been outscored at five on five and, you know, Nashville's penalty power play, not great, but it's not awful. Um, they, and they do draw a lot of opportunities They're at 3.8 power play opportunities per game, which I think is like sixth fourth, sorry, in the league uh, for power play opportunities per game. What might be a tired Tampa team, I really do like Nashville one. Tommy Novak coming back for Nashville is also really interesting because that might boot Colton Sissons off the top power play unit. Not sure how exactly that's going to work. Hopefully it does. Yeah, hopefully it does because Tommy Novak is a pretty underrated playmaker. Um, He had six goals, six assists in in 14 games before he got hurt. Coming in on the second line with Yusuf Parson and Luke Evangelista, it's not a good matchup of 5-on-5. Five five. I'm, like, I'm not playing Nashville 2 or, or anything like that, but if Novak's back on the top power play unit, I think that's a boost to the rest of the power play and would honestly make me Nashville, like Nashville 1 a little bit more. We won't know until the game starts, so there's nothing we can say about that, but I really do like this spot for Nashville 1 here tonight.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's kind of funny because that line got so much better when Nyquist went there, and Nyquist is definitely not the player he was, but like he stabilized that line on both ends of the ice.
1: I mean, yeah, sometimes it's just about chemistry and and players being able to read each other and things like that. And, you know, Nyquist is a veteran. They're, I mean, they all are at this point. So, yeah, they look good.
0: Yeah. Dallas Stars with a 3.1 total heading into Washington. The Capitals have a 2.8 total. Interesting game here because Dallas played last night. They lost 5-4 we're not going to know these lines because Sagan left the game in the third period. Don't know if he's going to play tonight. Jason Robertson got kicked off the top line. Don't know if they're going to have their lines together tonight. So I want to get behind Washington or behind Dallas here. It's a good matchup. We just don't know what their lines are going to be. We don't know if Sagan's playing. So it's one of those things where like, maybe you can win off a Duchesne Played 20 minutes last night. Uh, The Duchesne power play unit ended up, You know, getting the first crack in the last few power plays of the game. So I guess you can, like, you can one off Duchesne. You can go Duchesne Melchman, but I don't know. Like, it's just a lot of question marks here for the the Stars tonight. Wedgwood probably in net for the Stars. I want to kind of like Washington a little bit here at low ownership, but like, I I just don't know, man. They're super cheap. If anything, it would be like McMichael Mantha for some super cheap two-mans. But, like, I don't know, man. Washington Capitals look rough.
1: Yeah, what I'll say about this is, like, you're right. We won't know what the Dallas lineup is. But this is also a 13-game slate. And by the time Dallas warm-ups start, only five other games will have locked. Which means there will be eight games to pick from if you have all players starting in later games. So, you can late-swap. To what is going any almost any Dallas combination here tonight is going to be low on because nobody knows what the lines are unless people just you know jam in old Dallas one and and go on their you know go about their business. There is an opportunity for a late swap here in this game because uh you know Washington is a really bad team. <laughs> I will say Washington's penalty kill has been kind of like middle of the pack over the last few weeks. And that's where Dallas gets a lot of their DFS value from. So maybe it's not the best power play matchup, especially where Washington doesn't take a ton of penalties They're below average in that regard. But it is otherwise a good matchup for Dallas. And I think, you know, just put like Nashville one with a bunch of Dallas guys uh, in the lineup and then wait to see what the lineup, what, you know, warmups look like at 730 Eastern. I think that's a viable strategy here for tonight. Like, other than that, I agree with you. It's probably like a two man of McMichael and Manta. You know, I'm getting Kuznets off his back, but seeing him skate with Hendricks, Lapierre, and Matthew Phillips makes me think that they're actually going to be the fourth line here because Nick Dowd's line actually plays a fair bit when they're at home because sometimes they get the shutdown matchups. Obviously, Ovechkin's line is going to get used heavily. And then McMichael and and, and uh, Manta have been playing well and getting like 14, 15 minutes, 13, 15 minutes, you know, somewhere in that range. So, um, they might end up like a pseudo second line here. So, you know, Michael and Manta, three and a half expected goals per 60 minutes, of five on five in 110 minutes together. I think it's a nice little two man um, if you want to pay up elsewhere. Otherwise, like I don't mind making essentially an all late slate lineup and then just waiting on the Dallas uh, line combinations because I think with how poorly Washington is playing, um, it might be worth a gamble here tonight.
0: And I'm wondering if Sagan doesn't play that they load the top line with like they put Duchesne up there with Henson Robertson or something, try to make it work. I don't know. It's one of those things like if you do have that late lineup and they do run a J-Rob, Henson, Duchesne, I think that could be a very low-loan combination. So yeah, keep that in the back of your noodle if you are thinking about that. This feels like an important game, which is hilarious to say. The Anaheim Ducks with a 3.2 total heading into Chicago – the Blackhawks have a 3.2 total as well. Lucas Reichel is back tonight. I don't know if he's going to go to the top power play unit. It's interesting because the, the power play for the last game was Bedard, Khrushchev, Jones, Radish, and Johnson. So if Reichel does go to the top power play unit, not sure who replaces there. Maybe Radish, maybe Johnson. Interesting enough, like Beauvillier didn't go to the top power play unit last game either. But that top line for Chicago, Badar, Kershev, Bavillier, two of the three on the top power play unit. This is good power play spots, good five on five spots. So I don't mind Chicago one here. They are a bit negatively leveraged, 6.1% projected, 3.8 top two stack. I think it's fine. The the Ducks top line, Carlson, Terry, Killorn, coming in very negatively leveraged, almost 14% ownership here. I wanted to like them until I saw their ownership. So I think like – maybe you go to the second line, but like, I just don't want to play a strong vitrano Silverberg line at negative leverage either. So like, if you're going to play the ducks top line, just know that, you know, you're going to get some pretty heavy ownership there. So for me, Chicago one is my favorite line in this game.
1: Yeah. I mean, even if you wanted to go to the ducks, second line, um, they switched up their lines <laughs> last game. They moved Silverberg off the line and they moved Benoit Gru grew up with Strom and Vitrano, And it's like, well, congrats to Ben Groove for getting to the top six, but that doesn't do anything for me. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I wanted to play Carlson Terry and Killorn, but they're coming in with a ton of ownership. Uh, as you mentioned, 13.7% uh, per the top two stacks. It is a good spot against Chicago. Obviously, Chicago, you know, their defensive metrics are absolutely awful. There's really no shutdown matchup uh, to be concerned about um there's just a lot of ownership they're basically like the islanders but on the road here tonight um so i do like anaheim one there's just a lot of ownership you know if you just want a one-off you know alice Cloran or something like that for somebody cheap or whatever i i I think that's fine but um i'm just worried about uh you know 15 what could be like 15 anaheim here on the road it is the chicago side that i do like better here um you know bedard Getting Anthony Beauvillier gives him another shooter on that line. They are coming in negatively leveraged, as you mentioned, 6.1% against the 3.8% top two stack percentage. That's nothing like too extreme. And you can throw Seth Jones on the blue line, even though he's going to be higher on. You can throw Seth Jones on the blue line. You can take Beauvillier off and put, you know, Tyler Johnson on for, for a power play stack. And like, you know, Anaheim is still the most penalized team in the league by a mile. They're 4.4 times shorthanded per game. And no other team is above 3.9. So they're, they're giving up an extra power play over two games compared to the next most penalized team, which should tell you just how many penalties they are actually taking now. Chicago's power play, really bad. But, um, you know, if you give them four, five, six opportunities, they might be able to get on the board here. Um, and Chicago's top line, three expected goals per 60 minutes at five on five uh, without Nick Folino there. You know, what, what a surprise. But, um, they are generating quite a bit of offense, but look, you know, at kind of at home here. I don't mind Chicago one, even at like 6% ownership or whatever. Like it is a really, really good matchup for them. You know, 3.2 total. It's the same as Ottawa that we talked about and how much we like, you know, parts of the Ottawa top six. So yeah, I like Chicago one in this one.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is the first time I'm actually considering a Chicago line in my one to three and it's of course it's a 13 game slate so yay me philadelphia flyers with a 2.9 total heading into arizona the coyotes have a three total i was on i was on arizona two the other night when they they scored like 14 goals and arizona 2 didn't do anything it was the cooley schmaltz keller line but it was all on the power play not all but like a lot of it was on the power play so it's Let's pump the brakes here. This is a tough power play spot. I don't really love the Arizona Coyotes here tonight anyway. Um, This is a tough matchup. I mean, the Schmaltz-Cooley-Keller line is going to avoid Couturier because they've been sending out the Bukestad line against Top Comp at home. If you want to play Arizona one, I think they can be in your portfolio. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a hater, but, like, that line is so much better with Hayton than it is with Cooley. Kind of interested in that Couturier-Konechny-Forrester line. Arizona takes a bunch of penalties. Couturier-Konechny on the top power play unit. Couturier-Konechny, the best players on the Flyers. They are coming in right at their top two stack percentage. They're 15-5. They do have a 2.9 total, which isn't great. But they are on the road, and it is the Flyers. So you're going to expect it up on the top line there. So don't mind couturier Connecting here tonight.
1: Yeah, I also like that Flyers line. In fact, I like them so much that I wrote them up in the picks article. Um, it's, you know, John Tortorella finally found a top a top line that he'll leave together. They're up to 100 minutes uh, together this year. Uh, three expected goals, three and a half actual goals per 60 minutes at five on five, controlling 61% of all shot attempts. You know, they're getting between 18 and a half and 20 and a half minutes uh, every game. All three on the top power play unit, as you said, Power play's been bad, but at least all three of them are there. Um, The note about Arizona here is, one, their second line, their defensive numbers have started to slide a little bit, which I think is kind of expected um, because they were really, really good defensively in a smaller sample. As the sample's getting bigger, the defense has fallen off. 2.7 expected goals against in their last 60 minutes together. Um, they're gonna go up against Philly's top line. That's a matchup that favors Philly, and Arizona might be without Sean Dersey here tonight. Uh, they said he's gonna be a game time decision. He left the game last game, um, halfway through. Now, that's another reason why I don't like Arizona here tonight. Is that if thursday doesn't play, Matt Dumba took over the top power play unit. And I don't know if anybody's seen Matt Dumba run a power play in the last three or four years, but there's a very good reason why. They were using anybody else in Minnesota, but Matt Dumba off the top power play unit. Like they were, they called a Brad hunt who was an AHLer, to run the power play because they couldn't trust Matt Dumba to do it. And you talk about how Arizona, you know, got there on the power play last game. Like, I mean, anything can happen in hockey, but I can't imagine that happening again here tonight. So for me, like, if you want to dip down in the Arizona depth, I think that's fine. Like, they're still generating some offense, particularly the second line, and they're still getting good minutes. But it's Philly 1 I like in this game by a lot. Um, bad power play match. Well, every power play matchup's a bad one for them. But it's not a great power play matchup. But it's a tremendous 5-on-5 matchup for them. And if Arizona doesn't have Dursey, they really don't have any puck movers on the blue line. So I I like Philly 1 in this game by a lot.
0: Yeah, Troy Stetcher might be their best puck mover after that, and yikes. Yikes. As we mentioned off the top of the show, we are sponsored by Better Picks, and you can double your first deposit up to $500. Better Pick takes traditional fantasy picking concept and amplifies it with the ability to win up to 100x your entry. If you correctly select up to eight picks, choose wisely, and watch your winnings soar. Forget about frustrating ties and pushes. Actually, some some books even grade pushes as losses now. Like ESPN Bet grades some pushes as losses. It's quite a scene. Better Picks keeps the excitement flowing with no pushes allowed. Every pick counts, and every decision matters as you strive for victory. Better Picks covers a wide range of sports, including NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and more. Whether you're a seasoned sports fan or a casual enthusiast, we offer an extensive selection of player projections to choose from. Dive into the action, analyze the stats, and trust your instincts to make the winning picks. Again, the legal age for gambling in most states is 21-plus, plus. and if you or anyone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Carolina Hurricanes with a 3.3 total heading into Calgary. The Flames have a 3.1 total. We did it. Dustin Wolf starting tonight. Um, Markstrom's week-to-week. To week. They, they still wanted to start uh, whatever his name is, the backup that they don't want to lose on waivers, Afladar the other night wolf 7300 tonight we'll get to goalies at the end the big news here no idea what Carolina lines are going to be none because after they got down in that first period rob the bod started picking names out of a hat like it was like John Tortorella blender style so who knows like I would imagine the lines are going to be different tonight because they got absolutely destroyed last night I wouldn't be surprised to see Bunting on the fourth line, Neches on the second line, Svechnikov on, fir- on the first line. It was a good matchup, though. But it's a late game. So I think you just kind of go with pairs that are, you hope are together and you hope like Ajo and Jarvis are going to be together, maybe like Cockney Emmy and Tara Vinen. But like if you are playing Carolina here tonight, just know whatever you put in could be a gamble
1: yeah, uh, I was looking earlier. Aho Jarvis Bunting obviously started the game. They played four shifts together and then they were broken up. And then they went to Aho Natchez Bunting and they played six shifts together and then they were broken up. <laughs> and then they went to Aho, sveshnikov Vine, and, they played the final six shifts of the game. So Aho had two different sets of wingers for at least four different shifts last night. So we are just completely guessing at what the lines might be. That's what makes it real tough. Like that, And, you know, you can't do, I mean, you can if you want to, because there's still five late games. Um, you can't really just make a bunch of late swaps. What I will say is that Carolina does have four wingers all within $700 of each other, and the four wingers typically all play in the top six. So if you put Aho with any of those two wingers, there's a pretty good bet that you'll be able to swap to whatever the Ajo line is. And not really leave that much money on the table. So there are ways that you can stack uh, Carolina here tonight. Um, you're just going to have to be around for warmups at 8:30 830 Eastern, 8:35 Eastern, whatever it might be, and you know be ready to make those swaps. But there are a bunch of wingers that are all priced similarly. Where you'll get in trouble is if you know Jack Drury got moved up to the second line. Um, you know if they decide to do something like Jack Drury. Sveshnikov, Natchez, and then they put like Fast and Jarvis or whatever with Aho. Then you're kind of bummed. Um That's kind of the gamble that you have to take. And honestly, on a 13 game slate, I don't think it's really necessary. Like there are a lot, like you can do it with Dallas and have more games to pick from. And there are a lot of spots where you can get like one, two, three percent ownership on your lines. Um, I don't think it's really necessary to chase. Carolina. Like, if you want to just one off some guys, I think that makes sense. I don't think it's really necessary to chase it, but th- that option is there. Uh, Calgary, like, I don't know, man. I was telling you before the game, Nazem Kadri has one goal at 5 on 5 this year. Like, the li- s- surprise, surprise, adding Diego Sharon Govich has not been the answer to the top power play unit. Like, this, this team is just not. A good team for DFS in any sense of the word. They're they're honestly a poor man Seattle at this point, um, which is kind of scary to think about. If I were to take anything, it would be the backland Coleman O line. At least they're generating something, two point eight expected goals for, two point seven actual goals for. Probably going to go out against the Cock and line. Might end up being the Jack Drury line, depending on 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 how. Carolina lines up at warm-ups, but at least they've been generating some offense and not necessarily relying on shooting percentages as the Calgary top line has been. So Backlund, Coleman, and Huberto for me. But I'm going to be honest, other than picking some one-offs, there's really not a stack I like in this game. Yeah,
0: agreed there. Winnipeg Jets with a 2.8 total. Heading into Colorado, the Avs have a 3.2. A lot of Avs news here. McKinnon's in, in. Byron's in. Andrew Cagliano is in. Valerie Nishushkin out. And they sent Oscar Lawson down, who was on their second line last game. So uh, this is another one where we're not really going to know the lines. With Nishushkin out, I would imagine McKinnon and Rantanen are going to stay apart. It's generally what Bednar's done when, like, Lekkanen and and Nishushkin – one of those guys, one or both of them are out. They generally have McKinnon and Rantanen separated. So, who moves moves up to the second line could be Cogliano. I yeah. mean, could it be Tatar? It could be Tatar. Could be Miles Wood. So, it, it could be one of those. This is a good power play spot. I, I think McCarr being back definitely helps that power play uh, a lot. Uh, I remember there was a stretch last year where McCarr was out and their numbers took a pretty hefty dive. So McCar being back definitely helps there. I I don't know, like if the top lines McKinnon Drew N and Logan O'Connor coming in at 18.2%, like I don't want to do that. But if Ross Colton still centering Miko Randon and whomever and ross colton's power play one i don't mind going like colton ranton and mckinnon something like that and getting a three-man power play stack it's just like this is another one of those question marks and this is an expensive question mark you know what i mean so like it is going to be pretty hard to swap if you load in like mckinnon ranton and mccarr and something happens or whatever and there's not much to swap to but I don't know. Unless we get concrete lines before the game, I, I think I'm just taking one-offs or two man's and concentrating on the power play.
1: I like this isn't a spot where I'm necessarily running out to like really figure out exactly what Colorado's going to do here tonight. Like it's nice that they're 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 going to have Makar and Byron back. Like that's great. They're like they're now down to Chushkin, Lekkinen, and Landeskog. Those are three of their four top six wingers. And this was a team that had bad depth to begin with like at a certain point like this team has a 3.2 total it's the same as Ottawa that's coming in with no ownership it's the same it's lower than Nashville one which is coming in with positive leverage and you know it's the same as Chicago that is only coming in with six percent ownership it's lower than Vancouver a team we will get to in a second like I don't think this is a spot where you have to run out and and try to get you know a somewhat cheap combination. Like there are a lot of really good players missing from this lineup. I think this is a case where I'd be fine one offing Nathan McKinnon. Like his projection today is, you know, light years ahead of anybody else um, on the slate, um, especially at the center position, 22.2 points projected on DraftKings. Pasternak is the only player over 20 he's at 20.2 and then you know Hughes is at 18.1 like clearly McKinnon is head and shoulders above everybody else but that doesn't mean everybody else is going to go along with him right like he is the focal point it's not like it's not necessarily that the rising tide would lift all boats it's not really a great matchup against Winnipeg like Winnipeg has been fine. like find a good defensively for the most part this year you know the pen, the power play or the penalty kill sorry has been an issue at times but once you like I like Ross Colton but once you have so many injuries that Ross Colton and Jonathan Drouin are on your top power play unit like at a certain point it just starts hurting you rather than helping those players you know what I mean so, I, I, you know, I'm fine off with a one-off McKinnon, one-off Ross Holden, I think is fine if you want to save some money. Um, you know, we'll get to the defensemen. Certainly don't mind the defenseman. I just don't think I want to stack anything from Colorado. Like, I honestly think I'd rather stack from Winnipeg uh, in this game. Um, you know, they got the two goals in the last game, nothing else, which was kind of a shame. Um, Winnipeg's top line is up to 3.3 expected goals uh, per 60 minutes of 5-on-5. Five five. Mark Scheifele played nearly 23 minutes um, in that last game, Ehlers' shot rate has started to climb again after a dip uh, the few weeks before. Not coming in with any ownership, 8.2% ownership, or 8.2% top two stacks, sorry, 2.0% uh, ownership per the top stacks tools. I like Winnipeg one here you know it's one of those things like if i get burned you know not running out to play like 18% jonathan drew on a 13 game slate like I, okay I'll, i'm going to i'm going to live with that i think i would rather get burned playing a 2% winnipeg here tonight so i'm on the winnipeg side
0: yeah i mean interesting one for the flow chart because normally this is a hard matchup but with so many guys out is it really so yeah you know. Not bad, two point eight road total. Nothing to sneeze at either for Winnipeg. They're usually around like three, three point one, three point two at home. So, I, I, not bad. I, I should I
1: should say it's not like Winnipeg's one of my favorite stacks on the slate. I just they're my favorite stack in that game, and I don't mind them for like one of those for one of those twenty k ish expensive stacks. It's, you know, I'd rather play Boston one. Let's put it that way.
0: Oh yeah, me too. Minnesota Wild with a 3.2 total heading into Vancouver. The Canucks have a 3.3. Andre Kuzmenko got moved down to the fourth line. He is going to remain power play one. Uh, moving up onto the second line is going to be Nils Hoglander. Between, um, who was it? Uh, Philip Giuseppe, Bavillier, and Hoglander. I have the highest hopes for Hoglander. Maybe I'm just an idiot. But I I happen to like Hoglander here. Uh, Obviously, he's not going to be on the top power play, but that's fine. Um, No one playing Vancouver again. Like, everyone plays the Kraken. No one plays Vancouver. It's driving me nuts. Uh, JT Miller, Brock Besser, Nils Hoglander would be the guys I would go to here. On the Minnesota side, it's a bit more interesting because Kaprazov has shown signs of life. Vancouver's penalty kill can be taken advantage of. I like Minnesota one here. Caprazov, Zuccarello, Marco Rossi. They have positive leverage. You want to go Joe Eck, Matthew Boldy. Matthew Boldy has also shown signs of life recently. I don't mind that, but I'm going to go to the guys that I know are going to play the minutes, and that's Rossi, Zuccarello, Caprazov.
1: Yeah, I I will say, I I don't mind that... Like, I like seeing Hoglander on the second line with Miller and Besser. I think he... I agree with you. He probably could make a big difference on that line, especially over Phil DiGiuseppe. And I think he's a better player than Kuzmenko, flat out. Um, We'll see how things go. This is just a pretty tough matchup. Like, even before John Hines got hired and Dean Evanson got fired, like, Minnesota had been playing pretty well defensively. Um, I was looking at their numbers... Uh over the previous four weeks, second best expected goals against in the league at five on five, going back to Halloween. So, you know, we're looking at what almost six weeks now, second lowest expected goals against in the league at five on five, fifth lowest actual goals against the big problem for Minnesota had been their penalty kill. And, only four games, so we'll see how it goes. But in four games under Dean Evason, like they're they're allowing something like twenty percent fewer shots against on the penalty kill. Now it's been four games, pretty easy stretch of games as well. So we'll see how things go against Vancouver. But if anything from the Vancouver side, in that case, I would want Miller, Besser, and and Hoglander. I would stack that line because you get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit. And if Minnesota's penalty kill hasn't improved you want two out of the three guys on the top power play unit. But um, I'm with you. I like the Minnesota side better here. Uh, In, you know, pretty small sample, 50 minutes since John Hines got hired. The top line for uh, Minnesota, 2.7 expected goals for, 2.2 against. Like, they're actually driving the play, which is not something that was happening very often. Uh, When Dean Evason was there, uh, Vancouver's penalty killed, not good. As you mentioned, you get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit. Positive leverage per the top stacks tool. Like, this is one of my more favorite, like 16 to 18K uh, lines tonight here on DraftKings. I'm not worried about any matchups uh, on uh, the Vancouver side.
0: You know,
1: Minnesota does have a 3.2 total here tonight. It's the same total of Colorado that we just talked about that everybody's running out to play for one reason or another. Um, Minnesota one for me. I, like, I do like Minnesota two. Theoretically, I do worry about minutes. Like, you know, they're playing like 13 to 15 minutes, and it's nice that Boldy has three goals in those games or whatever, two or three goals. Uh, but you're not going to sustain offense playing 13 to 15 minutes a night. I would, ra- I agree with you. I'd rather go with the guys playing the minutes. I like the capers offline the best in this game.
0: Yeah. And it's not Dr. Demco tonight either for Vancouver. It is Crazy DeSmith. So yeah. he is already confirmed. Yeah. Let's get to the last game of the night. New Jersey Devils with a 3.5 total heading into Seattle. The Kraken have a 3.1 total. Another Kraken slate, another negative leverage Kraken slate. The York Strand, and Gord line, negatively leveraged. It's the highest on projected line in this game. Another note, which is kind of annoying, uh, Riker Evans got called up for Seattle, he, and he's going to be running their top power play unit, and he is not in the DraftKings player pool. He is a good defensive prospect. Um He's that means you know Vinny Dunn's going to move to the second. That means Justin Schultz off a power play unit, which can only help uh, Seattle. Their power play units suck, like they're bad, and they're they're like across three different lines. It drives me nuts. Low to unit, make some correlation. Ah, but anyway, Riker Evans not in the player pool. I like the New Jersey side here. They have a massive road total, and they're not getting a lot of ownership. Hughes to Foley Halla. Twenty thousand five hundred to full stack, three point two percent projected ownership. Yes, for Brat, Nico Heischer, Andre Palat, two point three percent projected ownership. That second line is fifty two hundred dollars cheaper than the Hughes line. I think, I don't know, like it feels bad stacking Devils line without Hughes, but I I do like that heischer Brat palat line. Obviously, if you want to get Hughes in there, you do it. Uh, we'll have to see, like. Meyer Mercer Holtz is an interesting third line as well. Not a massive discount there. They're they're more expensive than most of the Seattle line. So I don't know if you need to dip down there. So I, I think you can also, you know, do a little power play stack for the Devils.
1: Yeah, I, you know, we make fun of Seattle a lot. I think this might be a decent night to pick them. Um, one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like totally. a, yeah. Exactly. A 3.1 total is good. Um, you know, it's just behind Colorado, same as, as Calgary that we just talked about. Devil's goaltending, devil's goaltending remains bad. Like, I don't know if anybody watched that game against Vancouver the other night, but like, devils aren't going anywhere with that goaltending. Let's just put it that way. Um, and there's not a lot of ownership on Seattle. Uh, the top line specifically, Veneers, Eberle, Cartier coming in over leveraged, like Seattle's going to be over leveraged every time they play. But not a lot of ownership, only 2.5%. And they've been creating a lot together. They're up to nearly 65 minutes, 4.2 expected goals, 66 shot attempts per 60 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. That's a lot of offense. Um, they haven't been finishing. They're shooting under 5%, which is why they haven't scored a lot of goals yet. But, you know, you don't stack Seattle for the power play anyway. Um so I'm not worried that, you know, they have broken correlation. They, they're just generating a ton of five on five and any team generating a lot of shots against New Jersey devils. Goaltending is always interesting to me or any line specifically. So I like the Beniers, every cartier line. I think they're a nice filler stack at, you know, two to 3% against, you know, bottom three goaltending in the league and Seattle's at home. So yeah, I do like the Beniers line here on the flip side. Um, I agree with you on the history of Brad Platt line. Like they're playing pretty well. Um, I think you could say, uh, offensively. Um, one problem I have is you want, you want to pick against Seattle's penalty kill here. Um, one big weakness Seattle has other than their own goaltending is the penalty kill. Um, at best they're an average penalty kill. Most of the time they're well below average. Um, And if you're stacking on the power play, like I think you got to get Jack Hughes in your lineup. That's just kind of the way that I look at it. Um, Hughes to Foley and Halla is kind of, is interesting to me. Halla and Hughes creating a good amount of expected goals. Um, You know, they're at 3.2 when they're on the ice together. Not really worried about any matchups um, from the Seattle side. And with, you know, with Andre Burakovsky back, I don't think that line's going to be any good defensively. You know, uh, uh, as good as the Seattle top line has been at creating offense, they've also been allowing a lot defensively. So I think there could be some good matchups here for Hughes. uh, Maybe at five on five, and you definitely want him if you're stacking against a bad power play. I like the Hughes line here, but I'm going to be honest. I I think I like the Veneers line as as a filler stack the most in this game. But, yeah, Hughes, uh, Foley Holla against this Seattle penalty kill, oh, man.
0: I am good with that. Coming up after us at 4 p.m., NBA Live Before Lock with Josh Engelman and Matt Bellman, early lock for NBA here tonight. At 4.30 p.m., Owner's Box Live with Greg Ehrenberg. 7.15 p.m. Eastern, NFL Showdown Live Before Lock with Eric Lindquist and Neil Orfield, so stick around for that. Once again, thank you to uh, Better Fantasy for sponsoring the show again if you want to take advantage of that uh offer you can click the link in the description below let's talk about defensemen Kale McCarr back 8200 I think you know anytime the Avalanche lineup is a bit compromised I really like the defenseman McCarr is the most expensive defenseman at the border 8200 but I think he's going to be somewhat lowish owned maybe uh, it's always hard to get a read on defenseman ownership, so I don't mind him there. Then you have Quinn Hughes and Yosi. I much prefer Yosi to Quinn Hughes. I think Quinn Hughes is fine. He can get there. He just doesn't block a ton of shots, and you really need that block equity if you're paying up there. Charlie McAvoy is interesting. If you if you are, pl- I think you can correlate with Boston one there. Who, who else are you like in the mid range and below?
1: Yeah, mid range. I mean, Seth Jones like clearly stands out, Um, but he's going to be widely owned. I think his ownership projection was like 18, 20% on DraftKings and FanDuel, which is pretty insane for a 13-game slate. But yeah, Seth Jones just in a pretty good matchup at his price. Uh, Jake Sanderson's going to be running the top power play unit for Ottawa. Probably going to have to play more minutes as well with Thomas Chabot out. So I like Sanderson. Um Adam Larson at 4K at home against the Devils team that likes to shoot. Anytime he's in line for a lot of block shots, I like um, Larson. So he's um, up there for me. Also, like Mort Cedar, like him and Ghost, I think both make a lot of sense, regard, you know, kind of depending on what you're doing for Detroit. Like if you're going to Detroit power play stack, I'd probably put in Goss to spare. If you're not stacking Detroit here tonight, I think just playing Mort Cedar by himself is perfectly fine. Um, Cheap defenseman, cheaper. Uh, If Rasmus Dahlin is out, Owen Power is probably going to be running the top power play unit. So uh, Owen Power, 3,700, I think makes a lot of sense here tonight. Um, I wrote up Alex Romanoff from the Islanders. He's been shooting, he's been blocking, and he's been getting more minutes because of those Islanders defense injuries. So I like Romanoff for cheap. Uh, Hampus Lindholm might have to pick up some of Derek Forbort's minutes. So he's a pivot away from an expensive Charlie McAvoy if you want. Um, also wrote up Brock Faber, didn't write up, also uh, wrote down Brock Faber uh, in that matchup against Vancouver. He's looked good under Hines and he's looked good pretty much all season. I think he's one of the more underrated um, rookie defensemen uh, around right now, so don't mind him. Henry Yokohariu, if Dolan is out, he's probably going to jump to the second power play min- unit and also play more minutes, so I don't mind him at 3K. Uh, Mason Lowry, I think he's starting, um, here for Boston tonight he, and he's 25 not starting in net but start you know in defense uh for four board and he's 2500 if you need a min price um Andrew Peak once again <laughs> from Columbus uh if you need a you know a cheap defenseman the Islanders are one of the shot happiest teams in the league any reasonable amount of minutes we'll see peak probably push for the block bonus so i don't mind
0: him for cheap as well is nick Lankenberg back he's not in the dk player pool but he might play tonight Yeah, he might be, and he's not in the player pool. He's been on the team for like three years, so good job. I mean, yeah, they do have
1: three defensemen injured, so like, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of guys in and out uh, on that blue
0: line. Yeah, let's talk about goalies here. Lots of goalies on the slate. Uh, There are a couple that stick out to me, uh, and they're all cheap. Go figure. Carter Hart, seven thousand five hundred. Dustin Wolf, seven thousand three hundred, and Charlie Lindgren at seven thousand one hundred. All stick out to me. I think. You can play Devin Levi at 6,800 tonight. I think you play Mackenzie Blackwood at 6,900. The expensive options, surprise, surprise, don't really interest me. Huso at 8,500, you really need a shutout there. Uh, Linus Olmark, I think, is fine for cash games. Uh, that is a very winnable game for Boston. Talbot, I think, is a winnable game there. You can play him in cash as well. Semyon Varlamov at 8,200, I guess you could play as well. Kira Schmid doesn't really interest me at 8,100. Like Again, like volume is king, and usually the – the cheap road dogs get the volume and that's why they're cheaper.
1: Yeah. Um, wrote up Dustin Wolf like him, uh, tonight at home against Carolina, uh, Sam Montembeau at home, uh, against Montreal. He's only 7,100. Like it's not just this season. He's been good. He was good last year too. I uh, behind a worse Montreal team, if that's even, uh, imaginable at this point. Um, so I don't mind Montembeau, uh, Semyon Varlamov at home to the Islanders, uh, as long as I think he gets to start, is one, of the ex, ex, yeah, is one of the expensive goalies that I like here. Uh, the other expensive goalie would be Joseph Wall from uh, Toronto. You know, Toronto has been giving up a lot of shots. He might have to face a lot. He might also just allow a lot of goals, though. So uh, a little dangerous there. Also, don't mind Connor Ingram. Uh, he's just, you know, kind of been on a, on a heater. Philly can't score on the power play, so if Philly doesn't get there at 5-on-5, Ingram could have another good night. So I don't mind him at 7,900 100 if you want to pay up.
0: Yeah, Ingram has won five straight starts, and his lowest win there was 15.1 DK points, but the rest of them have been over 25 points. So, you know, if they win, he's going to put up some pretty good numbers there. Who are you looking for your hat trick pick? Well,
1: I don't think this is going to be chalk. He's a little bit, a little bit more expensive. Um, Actually shooting against a goalie. I just recommended. I'm going with Travis Connectney.
0: my man. I had that written down, but I had a feeling that you were going me. So I am going to go to our boy that you convinced me to bet for the Calder, Marco Rossi. Ooh,
1: that'd be spicy. I hope he does start putting some pressure on bedard
0: for real. I also do like Bedard tonight though. So yeah, yeah. Me yeah. Too. we will be back on Saturday. That's going to be a show and a half. Um, Make sure to smash that like button on the way out. There's 155 of you in here right now. Thank you very much for watching. Smash that like button. Hit subscribe if you want to get in that Discord. Sign up for the premium link down below. Good luck, everybody, and we'll see you on Saturday.
1: Good luck, Tony.